Israel without sending first a deliverer like Othniel, Ehud, Barak, Deborah, Jael, and Gideon? The answer is no, because the entire book of Judges shows how a deliverer or judge was sent to save Israel, even though Israel remained unfaithful. Number seven. Who is the great deliverer of Israel that the judges portray and prefigure? The answer is Christ. Luke 24:25-27 and John 5:39. Number 8. If Christ is the only deliverer, how does he deliver? Hmm, this is a hard one. Oh wait, by perfectly obeying God's law as a judge of and deliverer of his people. Matthew 1:21 and hundreds of other scriptures. Number nine. Does the scripture show that the faith of Christ is the only true saving faith? Where? In Galatians 2:16, we read, "Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ." That we, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Faith is a work. Second Thessalonians one eleven says, "Wherefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling." And fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. Number ten: Can any person believe in God on their own? The answer is found in Romans three, ten through twelve, which reads: As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way; they are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Peanut, tell me the clues. Stop being so annoying, Rudy. You should listen to Utah's clues and not always try to contradict them. I'll tell them to you one at a time, Rudy, if you promise to take them seriously. Inside, I knew I must be very patient with Rudy, even during this time of crisis. I had to put aside my initial thought of being annoyed, and focus on where Rudy, Lizzie, poor Mr. Marshall, and I would spend eternity. Our discussion was interrupted by the sound of police and ambulance sirens. I was aware that Marshall was in deep trouble, but I felt completely helpless. It seems that Mr. Marshall stabbed himself with a knife in despair over the death of his dear wife Emily. I had overheard Utah once mention to my aunt C that Marshall was angry with God and that he didn't believe the Bible was true. I knew that if that was the case, he was in much deeper trouble than bleeding to death. I realized that if he was not saved, he would spend eternity in unthinkable agony, apart from any of God's blessings. I was worried that Marshall might die, and I longed for him to live in the hope. That God would yet save him and spare him from eternal hell, if that was God's will. 
I watched as Officer Muldoon slowly approached Marshall. I received a radio call about this man. Do you know anything about this man and why he would stab himself, Utah? You know practically everyone in Heading. Yes, I do, Officer Muldoon. His wife died of cancer, and he had expressed his anger against God for his wife's death to both my wife and I. Five other officers were now surrounding Marshall. The knife pressed against his stomach. I've got to make a life and death decision, Utah, and it could turn out very wrong. The knife Marshall is holding is already four inches into his stomach. I felt like throwing up as I saw the blood running down Marshall's legs. Officer Muldoon began to pray out loud and then approached Marshall. Utah was now moving back the crowd of residents that had gathered so that they would not get hurt. And Officer Muldoon began speaking very softly to Marshall. Marshall then pushed the knife deeper into his stomach. I watched as Officer Muldoon immediately signaled for the other officers to approach Marshall. I suppose he did this so that Marshall would not hurt himself further. Then Officer Muldoon and the other officers began to wrestle with Marshall, trying to get his hands off the knife. The blade is deep inside Marshall, I heard one of the officers say. Heavenly Father, I prayed, help these men to save Mr. Marshall, if that is your will. My thoughts went to Psalm 105, verse 4, that tells a Christian to seek the Lord and his strength. And I knew that this is what Utah and Muldoon were trying to do by attempting to save Marshall's life. I felt very weak at this point, and my head was pounding, but I knew that the Lord Jesus was in control. Officer Muldoon and the other policemen pulled out the knife and quickly put Marshall into the back of the ambulance, and with sirens blaring and lights flashing, the ambulance sped off to Exeter Hospital. Let's follow them! All of you hop in the car! Where are we going, Utah? To the Exeter Hospital, Rudy! The stench from Marshall's blood was still on my mind as we sped away, and I became more nauseous as we drove over each bump in the road. To make things worse, Rudy was talking about errors in the Bible. Lizzie was still shaken, though she had stopped crying. And then we had to stop at a railroad crossing. The loud noise from a missing muffler on the car next to us made my throbbing headache even worse. It seemed like hours before we arrived at Exeter Hospital. we sat in the waiting room filled with the sick and injured folks. After a while, Officer Muldoon came out and said, The doctors say it doesn't look good. Marshall has lost so much blood that they don't think he's going to make it. I saw great sadness in Officer Muldoon's expression. I sensed that he was probably feeling that his decision to rush Mr. Marshall may not have been the proper decision. Officer Muldoon took Utah, Rudy, Lizzie, and me to a little room that nobody seemed to be using, and Utah Muldoon prayed their hearts out to the Lord. The words from Matthew 11:28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, always seemed to reassure me whenever troubles overwhelmed me. 
I prayed inside that somehow somebody would be able to speak to Mr. Marshall about the Lord Jesus. I prayed that if it was the Lord's will that Mr. Marshall would survive. He would give someone, maybe Utah Officer Muldoon, maybe even me, the words to say to him. The next day, Officer Muldoon invited Utah and I to visit Mr. Marshall in the intensive care unit. Rudy and Lizzie were asleep when we left, and Utah and Aunt C thought it best to let them rest. I brought along the questions Utah had put together for me about the faith of Christ. These clues were to tell me how the faith of Christ related to the Bible's account of Ehud killing Eglon, the king of Moab, with a dagger. The death of this very fat man marked the end of his 18-year rule over the Israelites. This would have been about 40 years after the Israelites entered Canaan, the Promised Land, in about 1367 B.C. I believed I had carefully understood this by reading the work of a faithful Bible teacher who had, by God's mercy, discovered the calendars of the Bible. Utah and Officer Muldoon encouraged me to read the questions and the scriptures that Utah had put together to Marshall as he lay awake in the intensive care unit. Marshall didn't say anything, but he asked me to sing a song. So I sang him my song, based on Galatians 2.20, that goes like this. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's listen as Mrs. G now sings it for us. I am crucified with Christ. Marshall smiled, and Officer Muldoon asked him, Marshall, are you looking to Jesus? Marshall responded, I surely am looking to Jesus, just like Ehud and all believers look to the faith of Christ to save them. That night, Utah told me I'd solved the question of how the faith of Jesus Christ related to the Bible's account of Ehud stabbing Eglon with a two-edged dagger a picture of the Word of God, the Bible. I knew the answer could be summarized in Galatians 2.20, which speaks about the faith of Christ. Ehud delivered Israel from the rule of Eglon by killing him, just as the Lord Jesus Christ delivers those whom he wishes to save from Satan and his kingdom by his perfect trust in the Father and perfect obedience to the Father's will. Utah! You promised to tell us a story about the history of the Heading Post office if Peanut solved the clues. I sure did, didn't I? Aunt C says we can have some of her homemade apple crisp. 
I heard Aunt C from the kitchen tell Rudy she would serve it after Utah's story. Rudy didn't argue and listened to Utah tell us his story about the Heading Post Office. Around the turn of the century, the U.S. Postal Office opened a summer postal station called Heading Rural Station at Heading. It was manned by temporary U.S. Postal employees. Originally, five days a week for five hours per day for the 105 owners who lived there. Later, toward the end of the 20th century, it was open only two hours per day. In the 1970s and way before you were born, your Aunt C worked there for a couple of summers as the postmistress. When the story was finished, my thoughts drifted to how I would begin the next chapter in my devotional, The Faith of Christ. Maybe Rudy wasn't saying much because he was thinking about spiritual matters. That's what I was thinking about. That's why I wanted to write my book and to share it with others. I knew I needed to be more patient and caring about where I and others would spend eternity. By God's grace, He has continued to lead me into the truth of the Bible. Well, boys and girls, once again, we've come to the end of our program. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, or if you'd like a free audio CD of any of these programs, please write to Treasures from the Bible and Outreach of Bible Ministries International and Care of Family Radio, Oakland, California, 94621, USA. Today's program was number 081. The title is Never a Dull Moment. May God richly bless you with His salvation. Thanks for listening, and be sure and tune in next week when we'll learn something new from the Bible. Bye.